Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. A Monday is upon us. Let's hope we can continue to see some positive feet forward. Unfortunately, not in the corn, at least in the nearby cattle. Uh, we'll talk about those charts. What does this all mean for the livestock? But on the grain side of the trade, we do have some higher numbers in the beans and in the wheat complex. And as our guest, Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Athletics, says it is OPEC week, it is report week. So there's a lot of fingers, Mike, back in the pot to start out the week yeah there are and there's we have the new things coming on and then we still have the spillover from last week and i think what i'm looking at more and more susan and what seems to be coming into focus more and more is the opec because we left friday with more positive news that they were going to in fact meet today on monday and then on sunday they got pushed back out to thursday so here we go into holy thursday shortened market week, USDA report, and then we throw on top of that, and the jobs report, and we throw on top of that an OPEC meeting that is really critical uh, to getting some supply cut uh, in place uh, globally. Uh, otherwise, I think the commodity markets will continue to see a firmer dollar and a weaker energy market, and that it will, I think, continue to drive the bus. So looking at it from 50,000 feet or up in the ivory tower, so to speak, I'm really not as concerned about the USDA report. We can go into more detail about that if you like. I'm, I'm really mostly concerned about OPEC and what they're going to do as far as a production cut because it really starts in the energy markets when it comes to getting a low in this market and a hard low at that. And I'll just give you a quick uh, number and then, and then be quiet. But, but from March 5th, to March 23rd, unleaded Arbob futures lost 76% of their value. So when clients call me and say, what in the world happened to the markets? That's what happened to the markets. We had crude oil and unleaded lose about 80% of their value in a three-week time span. And that just naturally pulled everything down, especially the corn-related ethanol. Now, interesting to note, unleaded retail gas prices, and I've heard from clients all around the country talking about this, unleaded gas has lost about 17% over the same time period, falling from about 242 down to $2 a gallon. So we have a futures market that has plowed an 80% move down, and we have an actual market in the unleaded gas plowing about 17%. If you look at those two and you subtract them from one another, you have, whether you're looking at corn, ethanol, or unleaded gas futures, you're in, in hogs and cattle, I would say, you have about a 60% discount in the futures market compared to the real-time cash prices. So when you say that, at what point are we going to see energy move from the from the bus seat to just sitting a couple rows back and allowing these commodities to once again do some serious trading? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we have hit a major low in the, in the energy markets, whether you're talking about unleaded or West Texas Intermediate crude oil, um, because based upon what we consumed last year, and I think you and I talked about this the last time we were on together, but we consumed about 100 million barrels a day globally of oil and product demand. And market uh, analysts out there that know a lot more than me about energies are thinking that we've lost 25 to 30% of that just because of the joblessness and the cut to GDP that this uh, virus, this pandemic has done to us. And so we have more than priced in that loss of 25 or 30% of, uh, of global demand. And so I think that's why we're seeing some fight back. 
And I think it was important at the end of last week when we heard the words production cut and we heard that the amount of 10 million barrels a day that President Trump was trying to broker between Russia and Saudi Arabia, we saw a really quick and swift reaction in the unleaded and in the uh, crude oil markets. I would look for that again if we would actually get a production cut. And I think that we would have more of a um, not a complete V-shaped bottom, but I think we'd have a lot more sensitive price reaction maybe get that crude oil market back up above $35 a barrel and keep it there if the president could uh, broker something like a 15 million barrel a day uh, production cut. Because then all of a sudden, the COVID and the pandemic are hitting us for 10 to 15 million barrels a day instead of a full 20 to 30 million barrels a day. That's kind of how I look at it. One bright spot has got to be the weekly export inspections. Nice to see the word strong and export inspections in the same sentence. Yes, and in and and the corn especially, because it obviously has been the weak suit, and we had another 50 million bushel week. It was just a little bit above last week. It was uh, above uh, the prior week, and it was also um, well above by about 15% the same week last year. And this goes back to the USDA report, in my mind, and, and what I see coming into Thursday. Because of the outside market and the ethanol market especially, I kind of feel like that the trade is not looking at any kind of weather premium at all when it comes to lost South American production. Uh, we're starting to get a better picture of Argentina's corn and bean production, corn especially going down, uh, Brazil's bean production going down, their corn, their second crop corn uh, on edge right now. About 15 to 20 percent of their crop is in a very dry zone right now. You've got a lot of things going for you, like these export inspections. We just aren't talking about it right now. And I think it goes back to how I look at the markets with the elasticity model. What that means is it's a sensitivity model that I've that I've created to kind of draw out where I think the funds and the market are pricing in in futures what the U.S. carryover is. And so at 325 corn, which we hit 325 and a half today in futures, we're up to about a two and a half plus billion bushel carryover already priced into the market heading into Thursday's report. For soybeans at 850 for lead month, that would be about a 760 million bushel carryover already priced in. So when I look at numbers like that, if they're correct, Susan, uh, we have a lot of bearishness already priced into these numbers. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to look at the grains before we jump over to the livestock. want to talk a little bit more about what's happening in South America. And no surprise, we always got to hear about it during their harvest, and that's important disruptions but this time i think it's got a different flavor added to it we've got more coming up it's the monday version of the fontanelle final bell right here on the rural radio network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Mike Zuzalo. So when we left for commercial break, I was t- we were you were talking about South America, Mike, and the and the happenings down there. Now we know port disruptions are something we always hear this time of year, but it seems like we've got a little bit of a different flavor to it this year. And can that be blamed on on COVID? Yeah, I think it can be, especially when it comes to the staple grains and, to a lesser degree, the beef and pork industry. And I think we are starting to get uh, the the clouds are kind of parting and the water is getting a little bit more clear to be able to get a sense of whether this is an issue of supply not getting out the door because of the COVID and and it hitting uh, employees and manufacturing processes like slaughterhouses, and so it's more of an issue where the supply side can't meet the demand side, or is it a demand issue where the COVID 
has actually cut the legs out from under the food demand. And there is an element of both. Don't get me wrong, Susan, but I think today was really kind of a watershed breaking day when it came to the issue with the markets, when it came to the issue of the price action in the crude oil and then the price action in the hog market. What we saw was a real turn to the upside in the hog market, and that kind of felt a very similar or corresponded with Tyson Foods announcing that they did have a pretty large plant, a Columbus Junction, Iowa hog plant going down uh, for a whole week because of COVID cases. They don't have the staffing, in other words, to process a little over 10,000 hogs a day or about 2% of our U.S. packing capacity in the hog sector. So I think we are starting to see that this is more of a supply issue when it comes to grains and when it comes to meats. Now, having said that, uh, we do have some new information out from countries like Germany, uh, some areas of Asia, uh, like Japan and South Korea, where they are starting to see a slowdown in the actual demand as well. You, you look at this, and, it, and it's, it's disheartening, and I don't even know how to even attack to attack it. Um, you know, you talked about the packing plants, the effects that they're having. We, we look at what's happening in the dairy industry with the milk being dumped. There's so many factors affecting this livestock market, which in turn has that snowball effect, which will eventually have an effect on what we see in the, in the grain markets as well. It will, and it'll be, it'll be, it'll move like the supply chain, I think. It will have to start somewhere. And okay, so last week I came in uh, Monday with the idea I wanted to find out what was slowing down our, our uh, weekly production numbers. We were down 7.4% in cattle slaughter last week, just under 7% in hogs. We were down a lot when it came to actual meats. I mean, we were talking about uh, several hundred million pounds of meat that probably didn't get processed, but why was that? Was it because of slower chain speeds? Yes, I found out that mostly it did cooperate, and the information I was getting did match up with slower chain speeds, but was that because the demand was dropping or due to the COVID? And so what I think we have to see now is the meat price start to go up. So the livestock market should bottom first. Why? Because we're backing up supply that can't get to the market. We're feeding out cattle heavier. We're feeding out hogs heavier. So what should that do? That should then taper into or move into the grain sector. And all of a sudden we stop talking about lost ethanol demand. And maybe we talk, we stop talking about it because we got the unleaded gas price jumping because we got that OPEC cut, OPEC cut. but maybe we start talking about uh, less uh, about the ethanol demand and more about feeding extra livestock because we're backing up our marketings. And I think that comes eventually, but first we got to dig our way out of the hole in the energies, followed by the livestock, and then I think the grains. So looking at it uh, from a consumer perspective, how do they digest all this information that they may be hearing on the news about what's happening in ag? But then they go to the grocery store and they say, we don't see it. No, and I think that is the big missing link right now. And and I have been doing a special report for clients and subscribers about the supply chain nowadays versus what it was 20 years ago. And I think it's safe to say that the distribution centers that some of the big box stores use, that is probably the biggest bottleneck right now to getting meat and dairy to the stores and to get off of the idea that you can't buy more than one or two. It, it, it breaks my heart, and I know it breaks your heart and all the listeners' hearts when you see that milk is being dumped again like it was back during the 1930s after the Great Depression. 
and yet we've got food banks and we've got a lot of people needing milk for free right now and we here are limited with how many gallons of milk we can buy at some of our stores and i think what i've seen here in atchison is the big box stores are having more difficulty getting the shelves replenished whereas the smaller mom and pop grocery stores who have more of a distribution channel that's more uh, tightly woven and, and kind of goes from point A to point B instead of A, B, C, D, E. Get a hold of you, Mike. I think globalanalytics.biz is the best way for someone to get uh, some information from me. Sign up for a free trial. If you have an issue, though, that you want to talk specifically with me, just call me toll-free at 866-471-2588. Lots of stuff to think about as we complete this Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity features and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast as well at ruralradio.com. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.